Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It is November the 13th, 2018 at 9:12 a.m. and man there is a stack of crap uh, that we got to go through. Let's let's churn and burn babies. Let's get right into the morning roundup. Um, first thing up is this new story out of Bitcoinist that uh, Bitmain no longer under influence of Jihan Wu says lawyer. So this, uh, this article is, as I said, brought to us by Bitcoinist.com, and Esther Kim is the author, November the 13th, 2018, 6 a.m. Bitmain co-founder Jihan Wu no longer has influence over the company's decision-making processes after an, an executive board reshuffle, a lawyer told local media November the 12th. As Sanyan Blockchain reports, the mining giant altered the makeup of its board last week. Among the changes, Wu's position went from director to a supervisor, which leaves him unable to vote in board decisions. After changing to a supervisor, there is no voting right, so one's power is smaller and one cannot participate in the business decision-making of the enterprise. The publication quotes the lawyer Tian Yanggang as saying, <clears throat> Wu can only exist in a supervisory role. Bitmain is currently going through a significant metamorphosis as a company ahead of plans to begin an, an initial public offering. The board stunt appears timed to coincide with the release of the company's latest Bitcoin miner, the Ant Miner S15, which it released and subsequently sold out of last week. Bitmain turbulence continues. At the same time, controversy continues to brew over the practices of Bitmain-controlled mining pools. Bitcoin is reporting on how Ampool has stopped mining SegWit blocks despite losing revenue in doing so. Wu was worth at least $2 billion through his 20.25% share of Bitmain in October, while fellow senior executive Ketuan Zen's 36% stake means he is worth considerably more, around $4 billion. Multiple Chinese mining players, including Bitmain, have felt the pinch from the ongoing U.S.-China trade war, creating even ever more pressure on finances for the former head of any planned IP or for, for the former ahead of any planned IPO initiation. All manufacturers of mining rigs based in China will likely be affected by the tariff code change and, in turn, captured by the U.S. trade tariff. Ben Gagnon, co-founder of Bitcoin mining hardware developer Lutec, told South China Morning Post in comments mid-last month. And that's the end of that particular article. And for those who are not in the know, and 
uh, and there are always people that are new coming into the into the space. Bitmain uh, has been the largest uh, mining pool of Bitcoin, also the largest and longest probably the largest for the longest time manufacturer of uh, mining rigs for the mining of Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies. Um, so this is, and here, here's the thing. We don't know if it's true yet. This has to be corroborated several different times by several different sources before we can say matter-of-factly that this happened. And it's going to be interesting to see, and I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but it'll be interesting to see if Jihan Wu himself makes a statement corroborating the news, denying the news. And uh, I almost hope he denies the news to uh, add to the circus-like environment that we, we see today, which we'll get, get into more. But yeah, that's, that's gonna be all, uh, all, all we're gonna do for Jihan Wu. But yeah, it looks, like he got, uh, looks like he got punched in the gut, man. Um, have to, definitely have to see if that's true. Okay, next up in the stack, uh, another Bitcoinist article, Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoinist.com, is a Swift. Yeah, Swift kicks <clears throat> kicks out Iran, one of the three cheapest countries to mine Bitcoin. Again, article by Esther Kim, and this was uh, yesterday, November the twelfth, twenty eighteen. Um, Swift. A block is regrettable. As Reuters originally reported, November 10th marks the first day of action, which will see financial institutions cut off from SWIFT, which facilitates cross-border payment instructions to more than 200 countries. In a statement at Paris event, uh, November the 7th, the organization's chief executive, Gottfried Librant, called the action regrettable but explained it was being uh, taken in the interest of the stability and integrity of the wider global financial system. <laughs> Whatever. Iran is expecting significant turmoil over the reinstallation of the sanctions, which had previously gone under the, uh, the Obama uh, administration. That's a funky sentence. Which it, pro it probably says... Iran is expecting significant turmoil over the reinstallation of the sanctions which had previously gone away under the Obama administration. In a timely reminder of the centralized power of the global banking system, SWIFT appears to act as an extension of U.S. federal law despite being based itself in Belgium. <laughs> the circus, God, the... Oh, dear. Okay, so, yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of that. Um, <clears throat> we can gather what's going on. Uh, SWIFT is the Society for Interbank Financial Telecommunication. And um, again, uh, sort of like the uh, Bank of International Settlements, I hadn't really ever heard of SWIFT until like this last year. Um, it appears to me that as Bitcoin goes forward, it's doing, it's disrupting uh, things in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think one of its most unsung disruptions, okay, there, there, uh, there's, bank, there's a disruption to banking, there's a disruption to uh, merchant payment processors, there's disruption to all manner of stuff. But I think one of the most 
interesting ways that Bitcoin is disrupting the, the, the way the world is right now is it is educating more people about the actual uh, world economy and financial instruments uh, than anything has ever done before. I, I took an economics class in high school and it was, it was a snooze fest, right? Um, if anybody's ever seen the famous scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that was my economics class in a nutshell. That, it was boring as hell. And uh, one thing that Bitcoin has done is, uh, at least for me, has given me one hell of a quick education as to how this shit actually works. And it doesn't work any, or it works in a way that I never, ever would have possibly imagined. Okay, so this show it does never gives uh, financial advice because that would be wrong for me to do. Buy Bitcoin. Use Bitcoin. Because, I, I mean, again, it's not like I'm, I'm raw, raw Iran. Okay, that, that's not the point. I, I'm not a big fan of, of Iran. But then again, maybe I'm not a big fan of Iran because I've been told I should not be a big fan of Iran. You know why I think that now? Because I've never been there. I don't know exactly what the hell they're doing. I don't know exactly what kind of information we're getting out of that place. But... I will say that I'm starting to look at things. Uh, I, I have been looking at things much differently. Uh, so I don't know if if Iran is as terrible of a place and, and with as, as terrible of a, uh, a government. As, I mean, it can't be any worse than ours. You know, I'm sorry to say that, but, you know, we're not exactly the kindest nation on, on the planet. And to tell you the truth, you'd be hard pressed to actually find a, 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 a central government that's any that has any size at all that doesn't pretty much kick the crap out of its population and citizenry on a daily basis, right? So anyway, now it appears that Iran is not going to be able to participate in these cross-border uh, cross uh, payments. Right? And that's, that's a big deal. That's kind of a, a that's kind of a huge deal. That's like banks kind of being able to communicate with banks in other countries and do stuff like wire transfers and and things like that. So now they're essentially cut off from the rest of the world financially. Uh, it'll be easy or it'll be interesting to see um, how this plays out. But yeah, so Iran got punched in the gut. Let's move on up the stack. Okay, this is a, a tweet that I made uh, in response to the, uh, a Bitfinex uh, news article, which I'll get to here in a second. Uh, the more you split, the less and less you look like Bitcoin. And I've uh, tagged it or um, uh, put in a screenshot of what I'm talking about in the article, which we'll uh, talk about here in a minute. Bitfinex is introducing new chain split tokens, CSTs, that will allow traders to trade the anticipated Bitcoin Cash tokens resulting from the Bitcoin Cash hard fork implementations ABC and SV on November the 15th, 2018. We are designating these CSTs, quote, BAB, parentheses, ABC implementation, close parentheses, and, quote, BSV, parentheses, SV implementation, close parentheses. These CSTs will trade against USD and BTC as pairs 
BAB slash USD, BAB slash BTC, BSV slash USD, and BSV slash BTC. This is even a one step farther away of anybody even understanding. I mean, how to put this? BAB doesn't even look like BCH, which didn't even look like BTC for all of their, <clears throat> oh, how to say it, all, for all of Roger Ver's uh, attention to detail trying to rebrand BCH as the real Bitcoin. Uh, the ticker is BTC. And now the Bitfinex is making a move where their ticker is going to look like BAB and the Satoshi's version of Bitcoin Cash, which I guess is the real fake, real Bitcoin Cash. I don't know. I'm so confused. It does, of course, as in Craig, in Craig Wright's uh, way of saying, I don't really care about any of this because this is just a circus, man. So yeah, uh, the, the more and more you split, the farther and farther away you get from looking anything like actual Bitcoin. So please, you guys go ahead and split away. <laughs> uh, let's look at, let's take a, a little look at the, the uh, uh, announcement. Uh, this is a bitfinex.com forward slash posts forward slash 313. And again, you'll be able to find all this stuff in my curated timeline. Look in the show notes. You'll see a, uh, a link to it. And uh, all these stories, I, I jam into the timeline so that you can go back and look, look at them for yourself and uh, reinterpret and, you know, maybe find out that I'm just full of it or didn't know what I was talking about and, and come up with your own conclusion. That's why I include all this stuff. So... It re- the announcement reads, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, we've got the, the, you know, the, the, the gist of it. On November 11th, of no, yeah, on November the 11th, Bitfinex announced support for Bitcoin Cash hard fork happening on November 15th. In the last days, it has been more evident that the fork will likely result in two different chains: Bitcoin Cash ABC and Bitcoin Cash SV. At the same time, our BCH markets experienced a significant increase in margins, short positions and quantity and size. Well, duh. To prevent any risk of manipulation and hence to maintain a healthy market, we have decided to use the chain split token approach to govern this particular event. So we went down and, and, and read uh, the next part of it. Uh, so I won't read it again, but um, <clears throat> it picks back up saying margin uh, leverage will be unavailable. Users will be able to create or destroy these new CSTs in any amount using the token manager located in the order type drop down menu on the sidebar order ticket or in a menu at the top of the UI. Upon creation by a user, a, the BCH will be debited from the user's account and an equivalent amount of BAB and BSV will be credited. Users will be able to reverse this process at any time using the token manager. These CSTs will provide pricing continuity through the snapshot event. Uh, after the snapshot event, these pre-event CSTs will convert automatically to the post-event on-chain tokens. We will use the symbol BAB for Bitcoin Cash ABC and BSV for Bitcoin Cash SV to designate the post-event on-chain tokens. I mean, this is just, you know, it just, it just never ends. 
it's just the, the BS in this thing, it, it just keeps growing. It's like there's some giant dinosaur that's continuously crapping in this hole. And it just gets, the mountain of, of BS just gets more and more and more and more and more. While people like Bitfinex try to figure out how they're going to handle stupidity. I mean, this is what it boils down to. How does a, a group of technical people that have a real business on the line have to readjust all of the shit that they do on a daily basis and all the resources that they have to figure out how to allocate on a daily basis because of a couple of guys' egos. I mean, that's what this boils down to. This is, this is Bitfinex trying to scramble around doing anything they can so they can maintain business continuity because Roger K. Ver and C.S. Wright decide that they wanted to have a dick measuring contest. And this happened, I had this same co complaint when uh, the uh, original Bcash was going to split, uh, was about to split off from Bitcoin. How many wallet people had to, or how, like people like, uh, people like Coinbase, Samurai Wallet, or maybe not Samurai, but some of the, the older wallets, um, how many of those in Ledger and Trezor and all these people, how many, how much resource did they have to allocate? so that they wouldn't get sued by not providing a wallet address for these new tokens that were going to be manufactured because somebody wanted to have a dick measuring contest. How much time has been wasted? How many resources has been flushed down the toilet because these two guys think that they have, that they are what Bitcoin is, even though they didn't write the original code, they didn't have anything to do with it, but somehow or another, they've injected themselves into the into the ecosystem, and they've been here for so long that there is an, enough people that believe in their BS that they that they go along with it, and that's enough people to make people like Trezor and Ledger hardware wallets and the like Coinbase have to you know do all this. Of course, Coinbase was a bad actor in that that scene altogether, but we'll get into that. I'm just saying, Bitfinex seems to be figuring out any way they can to make this work so that they can maintain business continuity and they wouldn't have to do any of it if CSW and Roger Caver would just go away. So that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Next up in the stack, uh, Neil Woodfine has got a really kind of, uh, uh, a neat, uh, a neat tweet. Uh, you can find him at N W O O D F I N E. And he says the latest average daily change since 2011 to today plus 0.347%. And what that is, is he's, he has a, a, a screenshot attached to that tweet, which is also in my curated timeline. This figure shows the amount of daily compounding value increase that Bitcoin has achieved in U.S. dollar terms from the 1st of January 2011 to today. So what that is, is three point or I'm sorry point three four seven percent daily interest rate compounding day over day since 2011 I go go find a better investment and bring it to me so that it, so that I can invest in it because I had no idea that I was getting uh, or that I was in, in, involved in an instrument that had a daily compound interest rate of damn near half a percent, a daily rate 
of damn near half a percent. I mean, please, please go find me one. Which, in in in, if you need a number, uh, that actually is coming off of a of a tweet that says uh, another one from Neil Woodfine that says. <clears throat> Basically, if you had spent $46.42 on Bitcoin in January of 2011, today would be worth $1 million for a total value change of positive 2 point, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2.15 million percent. That's million, 2.15 million percent. So I'm not sure how Francis Coppola... Noriel Rubini, uh, the latest idiot to throw his hat in the ring about talking about tulips. I don't see what they're. I don't see how they're missing this. I I don't get it. I mean, how blind do you have to be? For God's sakes, I am man up and buy some Bitcoin, not investment advice, people. All right, uh, that's going to do it for the uh, morning roundup. We're going to get into uh, vital statistics. <laughs> it's kind of an ugly day. statistics are starting with Bitcoin average price of six thousand four hundred eight dollars with a high looks like it's going to be hit BTC at six thousand four hundred and fifty six dollars and a low of Kraken at six thousand two hundred and eighty seven dollars there's the spreads actually kind of growing a little bit two hundred eighty one thousand transactions over the last 24 hours uh, 881,000 Bitcoin have been sent in that tw- uh, over those transactions. Uh, let's see. Average transaction value is up again to 3.13 BTC. Median transaction value is back up to 0.033 or 211 bucks. Block time is high at 11 minutes 20 seconds because we lost. of hash power in the last 24 hours, bringing us back down below 50 exahashes per second. Uh, Reward per block, looks like they're getting, miners are getting about 0.14 BTC in fees per block. 1,600 Bitcoin have been created in the last 24 hours and 18.12 BTC has been taken in fees. Uh, GitHub last commit, it's today. Yeah, and so is Ethereum's. And Bcash is uh, last commit was uh, November the 9th. Across the board, Ethereum is 210. Bcash is 531. Litecoin is 50. Ethereum Classic is 9.19. Bitcoin Gold is 28.59. Dogecoin is 0.003. I guess it lost that 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 decimal point, so it's still going down. Uh, oh Lord, have mercy! Bitcash or uh, Bcash is uh, has 149,000 transactions, so people are going ape shit ahead of the fork. Uh, keep your popcorn ready, people. That thing is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, their block time is actually way down, so I think uh, uh yeah, it's down to eight minutes 56 seconds. Um, it, it kind of looks like they gained some hash power at the expense of uh, Bitcoin. That's that's to be expected because people are going to try to savage Bitcoin ABC and SV by shorting and they're, you know, they're, they're buying ahead of the fork <clears throat> so they can get the split. 
I, again, non-investment advice, I, I do not recommend being anywhere close to that. It's like, I wouldn't be anywhere close to that stuff like BCA or BCH, ABC and SV and Craig Wright and Jihan and Roger, that whole group of people I treat like toxic waste. Like if I were to run across a barrel that had a radioactive sign on it that said radioactive toxic waste, I wouldn't go up to it. I would find the most immediate direction to gain the farthest amount of distance between me and their toxic waste as I possibly could. I advise everybody to do the same. Again, it's not investment advice. If you want to put your money into a clown show, man, go right ahead. If you want to actually not risk your money at a clown show, then walk away. Uh, so that's going to do it for the vital statistics for today. This is Marty's bit from uh, yesterday, November the 12th, 2018, issue number 359. Happy Monday. Hope you freaks had a great weekend and aren't succumbing to the existential dread that is the beginning of the work week. We humans have designated for ourselves. <clears throat> Below are a couple of threads that should scare the shit out of you if the Sunday scaries weren't powerful enough this week. The first is from Paranoid Bull, and it, atta- and it tackles the, the macro consequences of our reaction to the 2008 crisis. This is a great complement to last Wednesday's issues of The Bent, in which we dove into the hyper-fragile situation China has found itself in. Paranoid Bull tries in some more themes oh I'm sorry paranoid bull bull ties in some more themes that weren't touched on in last week's issue that helped paint a broader picture the second thread is yet another edition of Brendan's threads oh nice in which he dives into the looming pension crisis in the US it's not a particularly pretty picture To retain the ability to pay back future obligations, many pension funds have to maintain an an expected annual return of 7% plus in the markets. With a lack of yield in bond markets due to the prolonged suppression of interest rates coupled with negative expected returns for most stocks over the next seven-year period. These funds are being forced further and further along the risk curve to chase yield. Oh, man, that's not good. Now everyone is swimming in shit, (laughs) drying the tender of a fragile, hyper-interconnected system that is dependent on increased risk to the point of lunacy to service obligations, not an ideal situation. I have a feeling none of this will be ending very gracefully. So Paranoid Bull's first tweet in his tweet storm is the best way to frame the last decade is a decade of denial about the consequences of the excess risk taken prior to 2008 which led to that collapse rather than facing the two true consequences of the extreme risk mispricing leading up to that collapse central banks worldwide have worked together to paper over the losses shifting them to governments The simplest way of thinking about what happened is debt that should have ultimately been wiped out completely was papered over and leveraged, was extended by governments worldwide at extreme levels, re-leveraging the entire system. 
What this did was basically to prop up and support the broken practices that were in place leading up to 2008. The old system was reinstated and the already wealthy got their assets bid and reinflated past the previous peak. Uh, continuing on is the Brendan Bernstein uh, <clears throat> tweet storm that was referred to. Your weekly dose of I need to buy a bunker market reflexivity. Pensions account for the, uh, their future liabilities by discounting them, them at an estimated return. Most are projecting more than 7% a year, but if you drop to four, California's liability, for instance, goes up, uh, for instance, goes up by $200 billion. And uh, at the very end of this uh, Marty's bent, he... Uh, apparently turned one of his um, uh, earlier uh, pieces into a, a tweet storm and tweeted it out but we've already we've already been through that so I'm not going to read that one uh, essentially though it, it's that one about you know Bitcoin is for the common man um, that you know we don't have to uh, w train ourselves up in financial markets and how the bond market works and how contracts leveraging works in grain futures and all that because it's like none of that is interesting and i mean if you're interested in it fine but you know if everybody was interested in it then everybody would be a contract trader and you know stock market broker and, and all that and we're not we're not which means that not only do we have to go do the stuff that we want to go do to make a living now we have to learn the crap that we don't really want to know about because it's just it's boring so we have to either go find a financial advisor or something like that. Whereas, you know, what Marty's saying here um, is that Bitcoin itself is for the common man. You know, you just, you just you can just save it. You know, it yes, it's possible it goes to zero. Hell, it's possible the dollar can go to zero. We're not exactly doing really good right now. China, the yuan, I don't trust it as a currency. And the freaking Russian ruble is a laughing stock. I mean... The only thing that we that the world has right now is the dollar, and we're twenty two trillion dollars in debt as a nation that's backing that currency. I, none of this ends well. Not investment advice, people. Buy Bitcoin anyway. Okay, so that was Marty's bent, and we want to thank Marty Bent for Marty's bent, and we will read another Marty's bent when Marty Bent releases another Marty's bent, and you can find Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter, and that will do it for Marty's bent. Tech newsletter is new as of today, November the 13th, 2018. This is uh, going to be Bitcoin Optech newsletter number 21. Uh, this week's newsletter summarizes a few discussions on the Lightning Dev mailing list, suggests uh, an opportunity to develop a new tool some users would find helpful, and provides summaries and links to some of the talks at the recent Chain Code Lightning Applications residency. Several notable code changes in popular Bitcoin infrastructure projects are also described. Action items. None this week. News. <clears throat> LN Developer Summit and Mailing List Activity. Before, during, and after a planned meeting among Lightning Network protocol developers, the Lightning Dev mailing list saw a surge of new proposals and discussions about earlier proposals. Below are some highlights. Advertising node liquidity. Lisa, oh, I have no hope. I have zero hope of pronouncing this. N-E-I-G-U-T. Nigut, Nigut, Lisa Nigut. 
Sorry, Lisa, if I'm completely brutalizing your name. Don't mean to. Proposes allowing LN nodes advertise that they're willing to provide incoming capacity in exchange for a certain level of fees. Cool. Merchants, <clears throat> merchants need their payment channels to have incoming capacity in order to be able to receive secure off-chain payments from customers. The current alternatives are either requiring some of the customers to wait several on-chain confirmations to open a new channel or making manual channel liquidity arrangements with other merchants. Although solving this problem would be highly advantageous for merchant adoption of LN, it does pose some technical challenges that discussion participants attempt to solve both in this thread and a related thread. And those threads are hyperlinked there in the, in the text. Making path probing more convenient. Anthony Towns proposes a method for allowing all the nodes along a path to forget about a small value payment if one of the nodes on the path is offline. This reduces the resources required in the case of routing failure by a node that pro proactively probes its available payment paths to determine which are the fastest and most reliable for sending payments. Opportunity availability for providing utility functions outside of Bitcoin Core. Bitcoin Core's RPC interface currently provides over 100 methods, and there are often proposals to add even more for utility functions that don't require access to the internal state of the node or wallet. During last week's <coughs> developer IRC meeting, uh, members of the project reaffirmed their commitment to not provide any new utility functions for things that can just as easily be done outside Bitcoin Core and that are unrelated to normal user workflows. This will help keep the project focused on its main objectives. This does provide a nice opportunity for an independent developer or other third party to create a separate project for a library, local program, or RPC interface that provides a stable interface to utility functions that work well in conjunction with Bitcoin Core and which perhaps even provides some of the utility functions that Bitcoin Core already supports for users not running a node. Some ideas for how to implement such tools were discussed both during and after the meeting and a link is given to that. Lightning application residency videos. As reported previously in newsletter number 19, Chaincode Labs recently hosted a five-day residency program for developing applications on the Lightning Network, including presentations from experts in the space. Videos of the presentations and resident demos have now been posted online along with the slide decks for the expert presentations. The following talks may be of particular interest to members. The Lightning Protocol, an application developer's perspective, Alex Bosworth. Infrastructure lead at Lightning Labs gives a comprehensive, comprehensive overview of the Lightning Protocol explaining all of the bolts and how they are relevant for developers building on top of the protocol. This talk should be useful for any developers wanting to integrate Lightning into products or services. Lightning, Lightning Bitcoin, Christian Decker, core tech engineer at Blockstream, describes the similarities and differences between Bitcoin and Lightning payments, highlighting where on-chain transactions are more appropriate than off-chain and vice versa. He finishes with a summary of enhancements that may be proposed at the November 2018 Lightning Protocol meeting. Integrating Lightning with bit into BitRefill, Justin Carm Cam Cam Camarena, 
Kamarina. Justin Kamarina. And I'm butchering it. I know it. Sorry, Justin. Infrastructure engineer at BitRefill explains how BitRefill integrated Lightning payments into their store. BitRefill was one of the first Bitcoin merchants to start accepting mainnet Lightning payments. And Justin shows us how they integrated Lightning into their infrastructure and the challenges they met and overcome along the way. For those interested in a high-level overview of BitRefill's experience with Lightning, the talk by Sergey Kotlier at Building on Bitcoin covered in newsletter number three will also be of interest. Zap UX design and product approach. Jack Mallers, founder of Zap. Jack's awesome. Explains his approach to product design and user experience. Uh, Lightning can potentially solve a lot of user experience issues associated with using Bitcoin but also brings up some user experience challenges of his own. Jack explains how he thinks about user experience in Zap, the UX challenges he's faced building the product, and how he's solved them. Notable code changes. This week in Bitcoin Core, LND, C Lightning, and LibSec Pit 256K1. Uh, oh man, that's ugly. L I B S E C P two five six K one. Talk about a crappy user experience. Come on, guys, and get you know name this thing a little bit better, please. Bitcoin Core number one four four one zero adds an is change field to the get address info RPC, indicating whether the wallet used the address in a change output. Bitcoin Core number 14060 makes configurable the maximum number of messages the 0MQ ZMQ interface will queue for a client. The default high watermark allows up to 1,000 messages to be queued before some messages are dropped. A new HWM may be chosen by setting one of the following configuration options to the desired maximum number of queued messages, or the maximum queue size may be made unlimited by setting it to zero. Oh, <clears throat> there are four very long. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. ZMQ a pub hash TX HWM, ZMQ pub hash block HWM, ZMQ pub raw block HWM, and ZMQ pub raw TX HWM. So those are the fields. The greater the queue size, the more memory the program will use. LND number 1782 adds a num interactive channels. Oh, I'm sorry. Adds a num inactive channels field to the get info RPC with the numbers of the nodes active inactive channels similar to exist the existing count of pending and active channels. LND number 1944 adds a pub key field to the send to route RPC so that LND doesn't need to get the pub key from the external source. This allows routing payments through private channels that are not listed on the public network. And that's going to do it for the Bitcoin Optech newsletter number 21. Essentially, all this, you know, I, I, I know that in, the people that are new, that are uh, that will that are listening to me i get that this is highly technical but i i i want this to to be a variety show and the bitcoin optech guys are um, really important in the space to to be able to reach out to other merchants and let um um kind of train people how to do certain things um, how they're, you know, like how to use lightning, how to use, um, 
Bitcoin itself, how to integrate the systems. And so those guys are doing really good work. And, and uh, for the more technically minded, uh, this is what, you know, this is where they're at uh, as of today. So that's going to do it for the Bitcoin Optech newsletter. Today's Terrible Joke Corner is presenting a joke from way back. A terrible joke that's old. Old as, old as time itself, I guess. My son went to go see the new pirate movie, but they wouldn't let him in. It had an R rating. <laughs> it's crusty. Oh, that is a crusty, crusty old joke, man. But I had to do it because my kids were watching SpongeBob this morning. And sure as shit, that joke comes across while I'm getting my son's shoes on. And I laughed my ass off and knew that it was going to be today's Terrible Joke Corner. Daily train wrecked. This is turning out to be one of my favorite segments of the show, and today is no different. Um, the train wrecked is pretty bad. Amazingly enough, it is not uh, BCH uh, clown car uh, fork split crew guys presenting. No, no, no. Today's daily train wrecked is brought to you by PayPal support. <laughs> and this is bad. Um, so uh, how, how does it, okay, so uh, I took a screenshot of a um, discussion, not even, it's not long, it's just a, um, a reply to somebody's concerns um, and, or PayPal's reply to a customer's concerns. It appears that that customer replied back and then PayPal support replies back to the customer, but it's just really, it's bad. So PayPal support starts off with, Hi there. Thanks for your interest and sorry for the inconvenience. We have no choice but to suspend processing payments in your region. We will continue to seek to obtain the necessary approvals to enable us to recommence PayPal services in Turkey in the future. Thanks. So Lordizer at L-O-R-D-D-I-Z-E-R writes back, this is from 2015, May 26th, so fuck you, PayPal, for locking down my old online store account and trashing my business. To which PayPal support replies, Hi there, sorry for the unpleasant experience. Please DM us your email address associated with PayPal account in order to help you further. Hope to hear from you soon. Okay, now, um, yeah, I think you know it, it, the the PayPal support in this in this particular case was re, uh, re replying to at f e r h a t u c a, and when Lordizer wrote back and said, you know, thanks for closing my old online business and account, he says this is from from 2015 May 26. And I, it see it seems to uh, what seems to have occurred is that PayPal support responded to a ticket that was this old because uh, this was this was back in August of 15th of this year when the whole thing took place. But 
it's like, oh, you know, oh my God, you know, like the problem was so old and PayPal supports just now getting around to it. That's, that's pretty much what it looks like. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go with it. But the, uh, there's a second train wreck today. There's a, was a head on collision by, between two trains, uh, by UKIP. Uh, again, it's not UKIP crashing, it's PayPal crashing. So, I I retweeted the UKIP's uh, tweet, and if you don't know what UKIP is, it's at UKIP, and they have been labeled a right-wing hate group fear-mongering Nazi association over there, you know, across the pond uh, in the UK. So I retweeted their tweet, which says, or my tweet says, use Bitcoin. What is it going to take for these people to understand that there is an uncensorable alternative? A rock to the head? Because what UKIP tweets is this. PayPal suspends the accounts of UKIP supporters without explanation. Quote, I will be writing to the head of PayPal to demand an explanation for why these accounts are being shut down. End quote. UKIP leader at Gerard Batten, MEP. Well, good luck, Gerard, because you know what PayPal is going to tell you? They're going to tell you to pound sand. If you'd gotten your supporters to use Bitcoin, you wouldn't be having this problem. At least you wouldn't be having a problem with PayPal and having people just summarily shut down your shit, okay? Or your supporters stuff. Yes, it's possible that your supporters' banks could have found out if they were like, you know, using Coinbase, that they could have lost their, you know, their bank accounts, which is arguably worse. But the point is that this is going to continue to happen to everybody that has an opinion that is not completely in line with whatever the media is is pushing off on you today because right now it's it's heavily to the left it's not at all impossible for the media to somehow or another go all the way to the right and if you're and if you're left leaning and you're reading this and you're saying good screw them nazis i hope you die well one of these days it's going to be you it's not an if it's a win because what we found out basically that the media are just whores there's no real journalism anymore there's nobody that can stand up and have an actual opinion anymore and and those that do get their paypal accounts shut down they get their banking shut down you know it's they get fired It's, it's the you know like i said if you're rooting for this kind of crap to happen, then you probably don't need to come into the fold of sound money. You need to stay out there in the rain and you need to get pissed on by everybody who doesn't care about you, but tells you that they do because you're not ready to take control of not ha- or being able to take control of a situation where nobody can take this shit from you. Because you're laughing, if you're laughing at UKIP or you're laughing at Turkey, because that whole region got shut down from PayPal like a while back, right? You know, Alex Jones, if you're, la- if you're pointing and laughing at all these people, you're, you're, your time's coming. It'll be you next. 
somehow or another. You know, it's I would not be raw rawing for this stuff. So anyway, that's the that's my rant on the daily train wrecked head on collision today. Um, good day, good day for daily train wrecked. And uh, let's see what I know. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's it. That's going to be it for the show too. <clears throat> um, it's been fun. I had a really good time with you guys today. Um, I, I have not heard back yet from my guy uh, about the interview, so I'm still crossing my fingers, but you never know. Um, you know, he has a, a pretty large business concern, so he's he very well may be, oh, I don't know, busy. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to be all that concerned about it, but, it, you know, it's it's probably going to be delayed. I'm still hoping for it. It'd be a, I think it'd be a really great interview for you guys to hear what he has to say about Bitcoin and, and uh, in the industry of gaming and uh, what that would look like, what it is looking like, if, it, if he's seeing anything at all, what it looks like, that kind of thing. So um, I hope to hear from him soon. Keep your fingers crossed for me and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.